Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. And, uh, boy, it has been a fun journey, Carl. Uh, yes. Comes to an abrupt end. I mean, walking around the team facility yesterday, thinking about, you know, Dable and Shane were having their press conference. That's normally the time we would be taping the Brian, uh, the coach Dable show for the TV stuff and sort of the energy of, all right, what's Carl going to do in strategy for this week's game? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like the rug gets pulled out from under you, even though we knew the game was over at halftime, it's still that weird feeling. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That is the uh, gift and the curse of the playoffs because it all comes to an abrupt end, but for one team. You know, and the higher you go, the higher the expectations and the higher the hopes and then the bigger the disappointment. Uh, you know, you I've never been on the losing end of a Super Bowl, but that is the and I don't say this this lightly, but it is the ultimate loser in terms of football, because the ultimate winner is the guy who walks off with the the the, um, the confetti. So the other guy is like. You know, you made it that far, but boom, that's the thud. So um, I believe that uh, this giant team is ahead of schedule. And look, I am I'm I'm delighted that fans were super disappointed in what they saw on Sunday. Uh, but let it go because um, you just saw the best team in football uh, top to bottom uh, and they and I said it, you know, for the last couple of weeks leading up into this game, it's Philadelphia's game to lose. And they did not come out and play lackluster. They were focused and they imposed their will on the Giants. So um, as far as the season goes, let that be your measuring rod in terms of where you have to be in order to be the best, to compete with the best. Um, the players that remain on the roster and the personnel people, you have now a um, a North Star. You know you are going to have to be at the level of the Philadelphia Eagles or better and um, the San Francisco 49ers. Look, they didn't get there in a year. And that's the good thing about um, what we saw from this giant football team. They got to the playoffs and won a game in the first year of a rebuild. And that's important. Which is now, uncommon. Yes. Now the task is to stay ahead, ahead of schedule, you know, to build on that. Because uh, the fact that they were able to get in the playoffs, win a game, tells you something about the players. It tells you something about the coaching and the culture so you get better players out there you compete with better teams yeah and i think what they've done is they've laid a foundation of what the expectation level is in the building on a day-to-day -day basis <clears throat> here's how we're going to coach you here's how mm -hmm. we're going to run our operation here's what it takes to be successful because we have proven already that our method uh, mm -hmm. our formula can be successful and you'll have enough guys coming back that are your core players that will preach and teach the gospel of Dable and company 
yeah. when they bring new people into the building. And you know what? It's not just a bunch of lip service. It's, hey, look what we did last year. It's proven now. You have a proven track record. Yeah. So I was thinking about, I, you know, one of the things that bothered me a little bit, yeah, it didn't bother me. I don't, I don't want to say it bothered me, but uh, I had seen some talk about the bitter taste of this loss because it was an embarrassing loss. It's one thing to lose. They got their doors blown off. <clears throat> and I saw some people making some loose ties to, you know, that bitter taste like the 85 Giants had. Mm-hmm. And there's no comparison. There's no, there's no comparison. That was a complete offensive line with a running back that ran for 1,300 yards and had 21 rushing touchdowns and a defense that was coming off 84 was as good as any defense in the NFL. And let's not forget in the Chicago game. Well, you would remember, but it was 7 nothing at the half because of the Landetta whiff and the Sean yeah. Gale five-yard touchdown. Bobby Johnson dropped a pass. That game was a lot closer than 21 to nothing. You guys were at the championship level, yet you just you came up short. The, the Paul Dottino made a great point to me on Monday in the cafeteria after all was said and done. He said, this is more like the 81 team that finally broke the drought since 1963 of making it to the postseason. And they did it with a lot of no-name guys. You know, Rob Carpenter was the running back. They had pulled guys from a lot of different places and they started to establish a winning culture with the franchise that Ray Perkins kind of laid that foundation that Parcells eventually <laughs> took over with. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's more of the analogy, which is encouraging yeah, right? because it took a culture change. Yeah, it took a culture change. So, um, and I, I may have started that with a, a conversation I was having with Leonard Marshall and uh, the analogy I made is that, uh, and it's basically, I should have said it started in 84, the loss to San Francisco. Right. Uh, <laughs> is where it, it really started for us. And by the time we got to 85, when we thought we were ready, um, we suffered that bitter defeat. But uh, the San Francisco loss in 84, which was the beginning of our um rebuild our culture shift um the parcells way and what that told us you know going into that off season that we weren't weren't good enough right so it gave us the niners won the super bowl that year they won the super bowl that year and so um we knew that there was another level we had to get to because that game i don't know what the score was but they you know they pretty much let us know that we weren't ready. And that was kind of that Philadelphia Eagles game this year. And then you come back the following year, meaning us in, in um, 85 and think we're ready to go. And then we meet a juggernaut in uh, Chicago, which, you know, showed us that there's just a little bit more intensity we need to really completely dominate. So, um, this is, this is reminiscent of, I would say 1984 as in terms of where this team is, where that team was, how they drafted, uh, how this team drafted and what they were able to achieve in the middle of, a uh, the midst of a rebuild, which led to nine straight years and two championships of playoffs. So, so spe um, speaking of 84, 
Um, <clears throat> you know, one thing when you look at for the 2023 Giants moving forward, they have to get some linebackers. I mean, yeah. they have to yeah. get some linebackers um, and they need some D-line help. I think one of the unsung injuries this year is, you know, in the offseason, the Giants signed uh, Nick Williams, mm-hmm. veteran guy to be part of the defensive line depth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got hurt during the course of the season and suffered a season-ending injury. And I think that was something that that's one of those things that flies under the radar. Sure. But he was the good, he was a really good, you know, third defensive lineman in that starting group. Yeah. And they were never able to recover from that. Like if they need linebackers and they need D linemen, as many as they can get, they got to get them. Yeah. They had to get good players. Let's put it that way. They have some good players. Um, Linebacker play is it's bad, right? Let's just keep it, you know, a hundred percent. They are, they're a bad group. Um, Jared Davis gave him something. He'll probably remain in the room because he can play football. He knows how to find the football. Um, I think Dorian Beavers was a guy they had a lot of hope for, and he showed his ability to find the football, but like, you can't be status quo. You just can't be moderately better. You got to be dramatically better. When you look at um, what we saw on TV from San Francisco, that should be goals. Linebacker goals for every defensive coordinator. Get me one of them guys. And they got right? two. Yeah. Uh, Warner's just incredible. But, you know, if I'm, and I think the wizard deserves to have better talent to allow him to do a good job. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, um, a hole when it comes to talent across the roster, but give, you've got to give wink a little more um, so that he can really bring it. And the guys that are there, here's, here's another thing too, Bob, that I don't know how we address this or how he addresses this, but Aziz Ojolari's got to have a conversation with his body. He's got to say, body, you just can't keep getting hurt. And he's got to look up um, pain threshold. And I, you know, I never question that kid. He goes out and he plays and he plays hard when he's out there, but he's never available enough on a consistent basis. I don't want to say never, but on a consistent basis. And I just think, He's at that point in his career where he's got to have that conversation with his body and they got to make up their minds that they're going to be on the football field so that he could be a contributor and make a lot of money as a pass rusher too. But right now he's an inconsistent bit player that they can't count on, not even to finish a game. Now that's not, uh, this is not a knock on him. It's just his body doesn't hold up. You know, and if it's not one thing, it's another. So this is that that crossroads offseason uh, for him and his body to, to kind of get get right and just say, OK, come hell or hell, high water, I'm going to be on the field for 17 games plus next year, because when I'm there, I make a difference. No doubt about that. I think, you know, you and I did an inside the film room that airs on the Giants 
social media platforms. I think there's a lot to be excited about with Kayvon Thibodeau. You did a really nice breakdown. Um, I don't know when the Giants are going to post it, but uh, you you looked at six different plays <clears throat> during the course of the season and the improvement that came along with it. I would think that as we get to year two, especially with some reinforcements with those defensive linemen, because it can't mm-hmm. just be all Dexter. And, you know, Leonard Williams had his worst game maybe as a giant in that game the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having some better people up front as part of that front, you know, Ojulari, I mean, uh, Thibodeau has the potential to take his game to yet a yeah. higher level. Yeah, he's got a high ceiling and he's he's already impactful. And the one thing I like about Kayvon Thibodeau is that he's a complete player. Um, he plays the run. He plays the pass. He knows how to track the football. Understands blocking schemes from, from I would say, from the game. It was a preseason game where he hurt his knee to where That's he is now. He's got a, a so much of a, a better understanding of blocking schemes in the NFL and just just playing football now. And the game slowed down. It's going to slow down even more for him as he looks at himself this offseason. He's going to say, okay, well, I don't have to be um, a contact pass rusher all the time. I need to run by guys sometimes. I need to know how to set them up based on my alignment, their alignment. Um, But he he is the complete package. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> the things that you showed on the coaches' tape was pretty awesome. In in because a lot of times when you get these young guys who are uh, edge rushers, um, <clears throat> that's all they want to do is edge rush, and they run mm-hmm. themselves out of running plays. He seemed as the season went on to almost uh, <clears throat> take his game to another level when it came to the commitment to stop in the run and identifying what was going on. And you made a great point in our inside the film room. You know, it's all well and good. Part of your job is to set the edge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're allowed to set the edge and then come off the edge and go make a play. And he showed yeah. a willingness and, more importantly, a foot, uh, football IQ and a hand usage and all this other stuff of making that happen. Yeah, he controls his blockers. Um, he sets the edge, but he's still active when he set it. And, you know, which brings me to a different point of – Saturday night's game, meaning uh, we're talking about Thibodeau getting off of blocks. I think the most disappointing aspect of that game were the defensive backs that did not get off of wide receiver blocks. It was it looked like a, a ballroom waltz, a ballroom dance. I mean, every time a receiver came up to block them, they just allowed themselves to stay blocked. And that contributed to the nearly 300 yards rushing they gave up uh, to the Eagles. And I, I, you know, I know they're coached really well by Jerome Henderson and I've had a lot of praise for how they, they've put this group together, how they've coached this group. Uh, This group has tackled well, but man, I'm telling you these, these, I, I didn't know that Philadelphia had just killer, uh, wide receivers who just do everything well. Like I knew they caught the ball, but shit, I mean, they blocked and it didn't look vicious. It just looked like, you know, Hey, I I'm Velcro and we're sticking together here until this play stops. And I just, 
I was really disappointed to see that because it was safeties and corners. And I just thought, you know what? Y'all got to be better than this. You got to be able to get off blocks and make tackles. I agree with you, Carl. Um, I thought <clears throat> that was my one takeaway. And, and I think you and I agreed with it. They were outmanned. They were outgunned when it came to talent, right? <clears throat> and when mm -hmm. Wink decided to play that two deep safety look, unlike the Minnesota Vikings, who have a guy like <clears throat> Dalvin Cook, Philadelphia said, okay, we're going to just run it with a relatively mm -hmm. light box. And <clears throat> to your point, just fight. Just fight and compete. And look, if they're better, they're better. It, it felt to yeah. me exactly what you're saying in this game was they just, uh, you know, even though, yeah, and even those scrums, like watching the Cincinnati Bengals play on Sunday, watching the Cowboys defense, watching the Niners defense, you know, you get McCaffrey slamming it in there for two or three, or Pollard was slamming it in there for two or three. And then there was that scrum. <clears throat> you know, the pile wasn't continuing to move. In the Giants game, guys were carrying people for three, four, five extra yards. And it's like, where's someone coming in walloping somebody? Yeah, we saw a few of those missed opportunities. But the other part, too, which I'm, I'm glad is it's back in the game, is they're hitting guys low. Like runners are now getting hit around their legs so that they can fall down. Like this, this nonsense of, you know, just trying to grab a guy and hold him up you're getting abused defensively. Like somebody's got to wrap a guy up and somebody's got to go hit him in his thighs. You know, um, it's tackle football, so you're allowed to tackle. Um, so go tackle a guy. Don't hug him. You know, we call that brother-in-law. You, you're not saving that guy's career. He's ruining yours by letting him do what he does. Uh, how about the last play of the Cowboys game? You know, the very last play. Yeah. Did you see that dude come up and, and hit the wide yeah. receiver? That was like That was like out of a textbook. Yeah. Here is how you tackle somebody with full force mm -hmm. shoulder. I think he came in with his left shoulder head was up arms around and he just timed it and blew the dude up. Yeah. And that's, you know, and we saw another one like that. I think Warner laid somebody out and they threw a flag and then they had to pick the flag up because the guy was a runner. He wasn't defenseless, but they, you know, the re reaction or the reflexive, motion of officials now when they see somebody get laid out is there's got to be something illegal about it i would force those officials to make those calls on a on a play-by-play -play basis because you're just going to just keep hitting and hitting and hitting but um <clears throat> i have full confidence that this defense will get better i you know listen wink martindale does not concede i mean there's some things that he just has to when he, when he has to look at um, what they have to stop, then there are certain things that are going to happen, right? Um, he doesn't go into a game saying they're going to get 300 yards rushing, but we're going to take away A.J. Brown. That's not how it works for him. Right. You know, he might say they'll get a few yards in the passing game, but we're going to play better in the red zone because of our personnel. But they've had, I think, three games this year where teams have rushed for close to 300 yards against him. There have been a few games where there have been 500 yards. 
I think the first Philly game was a 500-yard game for, um, against them, right? Yeah, they had a lot of yards. So um, as good as the Wizard is, he put, you know, lipstick on a pig, basically, because for them to be able to have the plays that they could make, uh, given the personnel on a weekly basis, is nothing short of, you know, talent in terms of how your coaches are coaching the available personnel. Now it's time to give them better uh, so that, you know, they can take that next step. So the other side of the ball is a little bit simpler, right? I mean, <clears throat> they have to get wide receivers, right? What <laughs> what they had was a group of guys that tried hard. They produced, you know, to the best of their abilities. But you can't win in this league. You know, you're watching all the other games. You can't win in this league without <clears throat> having a Debo Samuel or a Jamar Chase or a T. Higgins, a Tyler Boyd, a C.D. Lamb, like, you you have to have better receivers, right? Yeah. <clears throat> That's just a fact. I think the biggest problem that this team has now, remember they had a couple of guys that got hurt that they drafted, but they need offensive line help on the interior. They yeah. got to revisit the two guard positions um, and they have to revisit the center spot. I, th I you know, I believe Evan Neal is going to get better. He's got a really good offensive line coach. Mm -hmm. uh, he played through injury. He went through that rookie fire by storm. I'll trust in their, tr their evaluation leading up to the draft that this guy's going to be good, just like I trusted the Andrew Thomas <laughs> selection. But if they don't get that interior better, yeah, it's not going to get better. Yeah, and that's, you know, look, they've got to always look to upgrade in the competition. will help uh, get some of these guys better, like a Nick Gates will continue to improve. He's uh, just coming fresh off an injury, but the competition in the room will help him, but you got to get better players in order to have better competition. You know, if you're competing with average, then you're just going to be the best average guy they have. But when you're co competing with above average or better, then it's going to make everybody better. Um, and right now they're in a room um, with average or they're at the same speed. They need to get better. Then um, online room. Oh, go ahead. Go finish. Ahead. No, no. I'm going to read this. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs, pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, more. Latest odds, team matchups, live betting options, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game. Bet Online is truly the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V to receive your awards betonline.ag where the game starts. <clears throat> so Carl, look, they said that during their presser, they're going to start having big time meetings on Thursday. Joe Shane has been very adamant about, Hey, we want to keep as many of us are out of our own. Mm -hmm. And if you take a look at the giants drafting since 2012 or 13, you know, <clears throat> Second contracts for first round picks are few and far between second round contracts for any of the giants draft picks over a yeah. nine year, 10 year span are slim. Mm -hmm. That has to change because that's the only way your team is going to get good. Right. You, you want your guys part of your culture. So the big question is here with Daniel Jones. Um, <clears throat> it certainly sounds like they want him. Mm-hmm. 
It certainly sounds like they believe that if you surround him with a legitimate number one wide receiver and some number twos, and you strengthen that offensive line, that he's got more than enough goods to get it done. He had a fantastic season this season. I see fans in the Twitter universe, you know, kind of talking about, well, what they should give him. Listen, it's out of the Giants' control at this point. They have the negotiating window until the we get to the new league year. Yeah. But once that happens, you know, then all bets are off. And you could go through the entire NFC South right now, potentially needing quarterbacks. Yeah. Throw in Houston, throw in Indianapolis, throw in the Raiders, and keep your eye out for Washington because if Ron Rivera hires Pat Shermer, who interviewed for their offensive coordinator job, I guarantee you, dollars to donuts, Shermer will weigh in heavily Mm -hmm. on Washington making a run for Daniel Jones. So the Giants, they, you know, when they negotiate with him, they're going to have to come with their best foot forward because once it hits the open market. Now, you fans have asked about the tag. There's two tags. There's a non-exclusive tag which means that he would be guaranteed about $32 million for the season, but other teams can negotiate with him, and then the Giants would have the right to match or decline. If they decline, they get draft picks from the other team. Um, But do you want other teams negotiating for you? Then there's the exclusive, which is $42 million, which means the other teams can't can't negotiate but here's what here's what the fans have to understand of whatever cap space the giants have and they need to use that cap space to go out and get some better players not even big time free agents like joe shane was telling me there was a couple defensive linemen this year that they wanted to bring in mid-season that they felt would really help the team but they had no money to pay those guys Mm. so they had to go with what they went with right um, because of the salary cap situation they inherited. What you have to understand is if you use the franchise tag on the quarterback, that money counts toward the cap. That full number eats up your cap space. Yeah. So, so, so franchising <laughs> Daniel Jones is not really an option unless it's a placeholder. But if it's a placeholder, it's counting toward your cap until you and release it until you release it so you might miss all of free agency yeah because you got this money that you have to allocate so it's imperative that if 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 they feel about him the way they have said publicly it behooves them to get some kind of deal done and it's going to start in the high 30s yeah and here's the thing too uh, a lot of you fans out there want to say what you would pay him he doesn't deserve X, Y. Get used to seeing these numbers, folks. These, these 30s will become 50s in another year and a half. So uh, the 30s will be high 40s for some guys. Get used to it. The new TV money's coming in. The salaries are only going to go up. If you think um, running backs shouldn't be paid X amount of dollars, watch and see what happens. It's still going to be proportionately lower than where they used to be in terms of percentage of cap, but the running backs are going to make 12 to $15 million. If you're 1300 yard back or 17 um, 
1,700 total yards or close to 2,000, you're going to make 12 million and up on average. And I think they're almost there anyway. But that number goes up. So as you sit back in your uh, calculations at home, just factor in the fact that just in it rises with the, I don't know if you want to call it the inflationary numbers or whatever, the league number goes up, salaries go up, and the teams have to spend the money, you know? So um, you, you know, want I'm, your team to be smart. I'm reading this stuff, you know, on, on, on my timeline, and, you know, no way a team is going to offer him $40 million. Um, one year with 22 touchdowns. You have to factor in his ability to run and his athleticism. But what everybody is missing in this is the other quarterbacks that you're comparing him to, whether it's, you know, guys that could be on the market, Derek Carrs of the world or others, he has never had a receiver or tight end like any of these other guys that you're talking right. about. <clears throat> well, you know, I, <clears throat> you know <throat> Derek Carr, people are talking about Derek Carr. <clears throat> Yeah, of course, Jones's passing numbers are not what a bunch of these other guys are. But again, who have they thrown to and who has he thrown to, mm -hmm. you know, over the last couple of years? It's not even close in comparing. And they're looking at upside. Te teams are looking well, at 25-year-old guy. Here's his upside. So the argument that everybody makes, he only has 22 touchdowns and then at one point, oh, he only throws for 145 yards. Here's the thing, folks. And you see it more prevalent than ever these last couple of weeks. He takes care of the goddamn football. And you look at the teams that ain't taking care of the football, they're home with him, right? So um, as talented as Josh Allen is, I think you see – the Dayball effect or lack thereof. Because the first thing they came in, this staff, Brian Dayball with Daniel Jones, says, we're not going to turn the ball over. He's out of Josh Allen's life. I think his turnovers went back up again. Yep. Led the league in interceptions. So valuing possessions, folks, is a hell of a lot better than throwing for 500 yards and four interceptions and losing. Um. Valuing the football gives you the opportunity to win football games when you don't turn it over. Um, valuing the football, and I, Dallas Cowboy fans, don't be pissed here, but I'm just going to make an example. If you have a quarterback who threw a pick six on an out route in Washington, one was dropped, he comes back to the same play, pick six. Comes back a week later, throws the same out route, interception. This past weekend, the same route, dropped, would have been another pick six. And those are just the same route, and then he's got other stuff that people were picking. And you got to say, who's in his ear saying value, the, value every possession? Value the football. You got to value – if you're playing quarterback, I don't care if you got a ragtag arm or a rocket. If you cannot value every possession uh, and value the football, you're no good. 
you're just a talented guy who can't play the game to win it. You're just playing it for show. You know, and everyone's like, all right, well, you know, <clears throat> if they don't sign them, you use your picks or if someone else signs them and you transit, you know, you, fr you non-exclusive franchise, you go, you go get yourself a quarterback in the draft. Well, how'd that work out for Cleveland? How'd that work out for the Jets twice, Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson? You know, it's not a sure thing that the quarterback that you draft is going to be the guy that can lead you. I mean, yeah, of course, Joe Burrow went number one, and he's proven it out correctly. Yeah. But Baker Mayfield went number one, and he's going to be on his fourth team in five years or six years. Yeah. Uh, it's not an exact science. Listen, at the end of the day, only Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and that coaching staff know what Daniel Jones is value is and what his upside is. And only they know that if we add this and this, this guy could be as good as most of the guys in the league. Now, I don't think anyone's delusioning themselves that Daniel Jones is Patrick Mahomes. Okay. But he can be in, in an upper echelon of those quarterbacks. Yeah. And you know what? Guess what? Here's the fun part about this. They're going to tell us by what they do with his contract. Yep. But, and then yeah. we can, all of us on the outside could guess all we want. Joe Shane and Brian Dable will let us know what they really believe Daniel Jones upside is based on the contract negotiations. Sure. And here's the thing too. They ain't going to just throw him money for the hell of it. If they don't think he's that good. Right. And they ain't going to throw him out the door. If they think he's that good either. Here's the thing, folks. You got a quarterback with talent. You got a you got a uh, offensive play caller, contrary to what um, certain people think, who can scheme his ass off. Because we, oh, yeah. you you're gonna see some stuff this offseason that you're gonna say, well, this guy can't really run a route. How's he open all the time? I mean, they scheme some stuff, man, that um, are pretty good, and then. They can scheme you open like Richie James in the, the, the Eagles game. Now, if you had an elite receiver that that drop ball would have given you hope and put you down two scores, um, you would have been like, we got a shot. But Richie James drops it, and I'm not going to kill him because it is what it is at this point, Right. But just the fact that you can get a guy that open against that defense in Philadelphia and he hits him in stride. I mean, literally in stride. That's, but that's what your quarterback is. You know, um, well, you, think about the Washington game, the tie. I mean, there's 125 yeah. to go in the game and they scheme it so that Slayton's wide open and he drops it. Yeah. Or in Minnesota on Christmas Eve, how many, how many, in the key points of the game, how many third downs did they have where they schemed it beautifully and a guy yeah. dropped the pass? Like, it's, yeah. so we, but, we know that. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you guys say, yeah, I like him, but I only like him at this, this, um, this number, get used to seeing a bigger number. Um, Can we go to the running back here before we, because sure. we have to check out, what do you think? Sure. It sounds uh, like they want him back, but only I want, number. I want, him to want to be back. Um, 
but I would never listen. He's part of the culture of this team. And it's going to be a delicate dance, these two, because uh, he's a captain, he's a leader, um, he's got that locker room, and he himself as a mature running back, he's kind of the vocal part of what Daniel Jones isn't. You know, Daniel's a lead by example, Saquon's a verbal and lead by example guy. Um He's good for the program, but that don't mean he comes at a discount. Um, they've got to find that happy medium. Somebody leaked out that they had $12 million on the table and Saquon's team turned it down. I don't know if that's true or not, um, but I think they're going to see where the market goes. And I mean, if it creeps Shane up, did say they when they did have those conversations, he did say in the press conference, you know, we did have conversations, but we were far apart as far as the money. Right. We just agreed to let's get to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, Saquon finished with, what, 1,700 yards total, 13 rushing. Um, yeah, big year. And then he didn't – they really didn't even run him a lot. He had, what, two games of nine carries, right? Yeah. The last two games. So um, it's how they're using him, too, which will extend his career as a giant. That's the other thing, too. Like, he's not lo taking heavy loads of, of carries. Yeah, one game of what, 29? No, he had a career-high 35 against Houston. 35, that was the one. Um, I hope he's back. Um, I would never encourage him to give a hometown discount, even though I would if I were um, an insider, if you will. If I was working for the team and I had a great relationship, like a coach or something like that, maybe I wouldn't. But... I I could see why I want him, but I would not. I you know I want the best for him, but I also want him to be a giant. So you know, you know listen. Here's the thing: as we talked about the tags, you can't tag Daniel Jones because it's just it's guaranteed right. to your cap. It might create some friction, but in order to at least keep the player, you can tag Saquon Barkley. It's and starting, yeah, and start negotiations from there. Right. At least you set a floor, right? And 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 that number is twelve. I mean, yeah. the, the the running back franchise tag is twelve. So at least you could placehold that. Because remember, one other thing, just kind of in wrapping up here, when people talk about their salary cap space and and Joe Shane, how they're going to do it. Remember, we're not talking about the salary cap just for twenty three. Now it's expected to go up appreciably in twenty four. Mm -hmm. But remember, you know, you got Dexter Lawrence, who's going to who's going to play under his fifth year option. You want to extend him. You want to extend Xavier McKinney. You want him part of your program moving forward. You have to think about Andrew Thomas is becoming one of the best left tackles in the sport. Mm -hmm. He just got through year number three. So he's going into year number four. You want to extend him. The key here is to extend your core players that are part of your franchise that you drafted and grew up in your sure. culture. So when people talk about salary cap space, doesn't mean they got to use it or should use all of it. Now you have to think about 23 and 24 and who mm -hmm. else is going to be coming up so that those players remain longtime giants and you keep it together. And if you get the deal done with the quarterback, if he's the guy that you want to invest in, you can then play funny money with that money 
and you can spread it out however you want to spread it out. Sure. Where you keep his salary, base salary low and convert it into signing bonuses, and the Giants are not a cash strap franchise where you know you can you can make it palatable. Right. So and I, then you also have a draft. You have nine picks in the draft. Uh, if they can be competent as if as as they were this past offseason, they'll get some good players. And those players have to be healthy, obviously, but that helps build your team as well. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Joe Shane in the cafeteria on Monday after his presser, and you know, he's like, you know, it's, listen, it's at the end of the day, it's still going to be about this draft, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just like George Young in 84, 85, 86, yeah. you look at those drafts, and those drafts led the Super Bowl 21, and and in a lot of cases, it led the Super Bowl 25. And it led to the 88 and 89 Giants being teams that were more than good enough to win championships, even yeah. though they didn't. Um, the, the, but you're it, in the mix. You're, you're in, in the, the mix. You're, you're in the mix. Yeah. Your name is penciled in as like the Chiefs are right now, yeah. perennial favorites Yep. because of those drafts. So uh, you got anything else to get off your chest here? No, just stay tuned, folks. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll be back. Um, maybe not as consistently, but you know, we get a few things off our chest as, as things develop. Yeah. And you know what? We tweet out when we're going to do it. I got to go to California and then Morocco for the PGA tour champions. Nice. So I'm going to be out of country. I just want to get your thoughts. Who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl? I'm going Eagles, man. Um, I'm going Eagles, Kansas city. No, I take that back. Eagles, Cincinnati. Kansas City's quarterback is hurt. Eagles, Cincinnati. If Mahomes, the Eagles will win that game. The Bengals are uh, Joe Burrow's 3-0 against the Chiefs. And they got an edge about them. And Mahomes' injury is a factor. Okay? He's, he's yeah. not going to be close to 100%. Guy's a gamer. Went out there and played anyway. So I like Cincinnati to win. I think San Francisco is going to beat them. I think think San Francisco. I do. I think because of their defense, you know, I mean, just like the, just like the giants went and played Minnesota with that sieve of a defense. Mm -hmm. And then the next week it was like, Oh my God, do they have like Mm -hmm. 16 defensive players on the field? The Eagles, because every play felt like the Eagles had 16. Uh, I I think San Francisco is going to give them a battle. Um, and it probably yeah. comes down to a field. Styles game. make fights, but um, this is as evenly matched as you can get. And the X factor in this game will be Jalen Hurts. Well, he's the better of the two quarterbacks. That's, that's for right. Certain. We're all things equal. You check the quarterbacks and see who's better. This guy, their their guy's better. That's why I give them. And if he doesn't turn the football over, Philadelphia, I believe, wins a tough game. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Keep your eye out on social media, our Twitter handles, everything else. We will be back in a little bit. Tell a friend to tell a friend for Carl Banks, Bob Papa. Thank you to all the Giant fans, by the way. Yes, indeed. Unbelievable. Keep building the Army. We thank you for your interest. I, I, I would be remiss not to say that. And we look forward to visiting with you again here down the road. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Believe in Giants. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.